Billings, LAPD. You know Thursday is Chapman's 20th year and we're giving a little surprise party at the captain's. I think you should come. By the way, we need five bucks for the present. Welcome to 200 a Day, the podcast where we discuss the 70s television detective show, The Rockford Files. I'm Nathan Paletta. And I'm Epidiah Ravishaw. And we are here with a classic epi pick this time. Oh, yeah. Uh, epi, which episode did you pick for us and why? Uh, well, I picked... <laughs> we actually... The why is going to be a big thing here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I picked The Hawaiian Headache, which is uh, from Season 6, Episode 8, I believe. And I chose it because the picture... On the IMDb page is Angel in a Hawaiian shirt with a wonderful hat on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I want to see this adventure. I want to know what Angel's up to in Hawaii. As, as we record <laughs> this just after the solstice, um, mm-hmm. yeah. I think, you know, a little, a little jaunt over to sunny Hawaii is a nice, uh, a nice little break for, for us out of our winter weather. I have like a foot of snow outside and it is in the early teens temperature wise. Mm. I would love a free Hawaiian vacation from Macy's. <laughs> No strings attached. No strings. All expenses paid. All expenses paid. Un- unfortunately, we don't get nearly as much angel adventure no. as one might have anticipated based on that picture. Okay, so let's, like, cards on the table. I'm going to talk about this. Yeah. Well, maybe I should talk about the opening montage because that will facilitate this a little bit. Or do you have something to say? Well, I have a bit of a uh, framing statement and then uh, we'll get into the the preview montage. So this is, um, as you said, episode eight, season six, uh, which was the short season, as uh, as we've mentioned before uh, when talking about season six. Um, James Garner was, had, had a physical breakdown. He couldn't, he, he got very sick mm-hmm. because he'd been so pushing himself so much physically doing the show. Uh, and so they ended the show mid season, essentially. Uh, so it is the short season. It is the last season. And then, um, due to the contractual disputes and lawsuits, lawsuits afterwards, that kind of figured into it because he ended it earlier than he should have and, or that he could have under the contract and blah, blah, blah. But why I mentioned that for this specifically is that this was the last episode that was shot for that season. It did not air last, uh, but it was, the, it was the last episode recorded. Um, huh. And it was done on location in Hawaii. And I guess the deal is that, you know, the script takes place in Hawaii uh, and Universal wanted them to do it in Honolulu, but there was nothing in their contract that said they had to do it in a certain location, do any show in any particular location. So James Garner was like, well, we're not going to go do a location shoot in, in Hawaii unless we can bring the entire cast and crew. So awesome. uh, basically because he put that uh, put his foot down about it, they got the entire crew out there um, along with the, you know, the, the protagonist cast. Yeah. And so they were able to do it all as like a big thing and uh, have like a party afterwards, which I'm basing on. There's a, some pull quotes about this from, uh, I don't know if he's Lewis or Louis Delgado, the guy who plays Billings. Oh, um, there's a quote 
uh, in Ed Robertson's book from him. Usually when you go on location, the lowest man on the totem pole doesn't get to go anyplace. But whenever we did Rockford Files out of state, the whole crew went. No one was left out. The cutters, the craftsmen, the stand-ins, the secretaries, everybody went. Then we stayed an extra day after we finished so we could have a party. (laughs) That is awesome. All of that is really nice. It's kind of this nice kind of high note Mm -hmm. to kind of end shooting this series on. Um, But then as I was watching it, I kind of felt like it wasn't a great episode to watch necessarily. Right. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, that we can talk about that. I'll just say up front, it was an amusing episode Mm -hmm. that like there's plenty of amusing things happening. Yeah, I shouldn't say that it wasn't fun to watch or however I just phrased it, which is a little negative. I should say I was a little disappointed because I had a certain expectation of what would happen plot wise. It just didn't happen. I wish it had been a little better of a story to match kind of the obvious joy that everyone was having filming on location and like having fun with each other chemistry wise. My takeaway. Well, uh, yes, (laughs) I, I, I think I'm feeling the same thing. Like it, it was amusing. It was definitely like an easy yeah. uh, 45 minutes to watch. Uh, but the plot, it does that thing where the plot just thickens until it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, you're not pulling anything apart in it. It's not that you have to solve a mystery in a Rockford Files, but like there's at no point did I think that we were going to get any details that explained what is happening. <laughs> right. I mean, we kind of have an idea what happens or whatever. And like I said, or I've been hinting at, uh, Angel's in it for mm-hmm. like 30 seconds. Like, yeah. the cast is in it, but they're not in it for long. Uh, there's great moments with them, right? Like, yeah. there's lovely moments between Jim and Rocky that are that are great. Rocky's in it quite a bit, actually. But um, And all the business when Angel's on screen is is great, but it's just those 30 seconds, yeah. right? Like, it's just that, like, uh, and I love all the Dennis stuff, but thinking about it as the last episode that they shot, not not that they planned for it to be the last episode right, or anything Right, that's the other like thing. That. They didn't plan for it to be the last episode yeah. that they shot. That's just kind of how things worked out. It stands in that sort of proud tradition of 70s and 80s TV shows where they do an episode that where they go somewhere, usually Hawaii, actually, mm-hmm. And it's not quite exact. It's not what the show normally is. Mm-hmm. They're just at Hawaii and yeah. they're just doing it. Like, I, I, there's a lot of shows from that era that would do that. And you just like, oh, okay, this is the one. Uh, most recently, I watched the Incredible Hulk one where they oh. did that. <laughs> well, actually, that turned out to be a pretty good episode. But anyways, <laughs> the point is, yeah. uh, there's lots of great stuff happening. It just didn't, for me, didn't gel in a way yeah. that I would have wanted as like a send off. So it's good that it wasn't, it didn't air last. It's good that it wasn't the final episode or anything like that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, yeah, so uh, this is a canal script. Um, and I think has kind of the, kind of the like, ultra kind of premise that I associate yes. with that. Um, and a lot of the dialogue is very, not self-referential, but more like, there's some real characters, right? Like, yes. Some real kind of like this person, this character seems like they've been imported from a different movie. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of fun. Um, and this is a, uh, a William Ward, uh, directed effort, which, um, I think he's, I think we've looked at this before and he's the most, he has the most episodes. He has yeah. the widest array, you know, uh, this does, this uses a lot of voiceover to frame things. So he, yeah. he found some interesting ways to 
do some voiceover shots and whatnot. But uh, overall, you know, it's like really capturing we're in Hawaii. That's really most of what uh, you're seeing on screen. Uh, But yeah, as you wanted to get to and I cruelly cut you off. uh, No, it's fine. Talk to me uh, about this preview montage. First of all, the general impression of the preview montage is it's action packed. And I don't think that that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's gunfire, which is great. Also, they shove every regular that appears into the opening montage. Again, Angel's spot on the opening montage is about half of what Angel's spot in the (laughs) show is. (laughs) Uh, But we do get to see Angel. We do get to see Dennis. And we get to see Rocky. Uh, The one thing that I I made sure to write down, and we'll talk about it probably when we get to it, uh, but is my new tattoo uh, be tricky, be tough, be a tiger. <laughs> uh-huh. That is, when it comes to motivational speeches, I think uh, Colonel Smitty has something here. <laughs> um, I want to throw out also uh, one of our, one of, I think, the the most fun answering machine messages. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Which not only is specifically Billings calling <laughs> and identifying himself as this is Billings from the LAPD, uh, but there's apparently going to be some kind of uh, celebration for Chapman's 20th year. <laughs> and uh, they're going to give him a gift. And if he's if Jim's going to come, uh, you you heard it. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Billy's <laughs> hitting up Jim for five bucks for the present for a present for Chapman, which is uh, chef kiss. As as Jim's uh, unofficial bookkeeper, I I have put him down for those five bucks. <laughs> Debited him for the, the five dollars because uh, I think he almost has to at this point. Yeah. There's a lot of billings in, in this episode. I mean, yeah. compared to how much there usually is. So yes. that's that's extremely nice. Hello, listeners. We're going to take a quick break to say thank you to our patrons over at patreon.com slash 200 a day. As always, we extend a special thanks to our gumshoe level patrons. This time, we say thank you to Shane Liebling. If you play games online, you should check out his free dice rolling app Roll for Your Party at rollforyour.party. Jay Adon. Check out his amazing miniature painting skills over at jayadon.com. Dylan Winslow, Dale Norwood, Dave P., and Dale Church. And finally, big thanks to our detective-level patrons. Check them out on Twitter. Eric Antenner at Antenner, A-N-T-E-N-E-R, Brian Pereira at Thermoware, Bill Anderson at Billand88, and of course, Richard Haddam at Richard Haddam. We follow them too at 200pod. Why become a patron? In addition to supporting the show and exclusive episode previews, our patrons get Plus Expenses, a bonus podcast where we casually chat about all the media we're currently enjoying. 200 a day will remain free to all for as long as we do it, but if you want to help support us and get access to the Plus Expenses audio feed, you can become a patron for just $1 an episode. Help out the show by leaving a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend who you think would like it, and check out patreon.com slash 200 today to see if becoming a patron is right for you. As promised by the title, The Hawaiian Headache, we start off flying into <laughs> Hawaii uh, with, a, with a voiceover of Rocky getting really excited about all the palm trees. <laughs> you know, ignoring Jim's uh, reminder that they have palm trees in L.A., but, yes. you know, it's different because <laughs> they're not in the smoggy air. And uh, we get into the first point of contention and drama of the episode where oh, yeah. Rocky cannot stop reminding Jim 
how it's a good thing he pulled that letter out of the trash or they never would have seen that they won these tickets. It's a bit that runs runs for a while. Yeah, it, it's funny. because uh, Yeah, I, I very much enjoy this. I think there's this adorable thing about Rocky holding Jim's hand while they're flying. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's I, it makes sense. Rocky is probably scared to death of flying. But the uh, the whole bit about Rocky, he's excited and he doesn't know exactly what to talk about. He's, he <laughs> keeps going on about, uh, like, I, I love the thing about the palm trees. Like, even before Jim responded to him, I was like, you have palm trees where you are, Rocky. <laughs> uh, but he's just he just wants to be excited about things. Uh, but, yeah, I, they start off with this tension between the two of them that's going to get to, like, a sad yeah nadir before we come back from it um yeah it, it's there's a lot of stuff set up here that as you would expect comes back later right so yeah uh we get the so the premise is that um they want jim somehow won these tickets just through shopping at uh at mason's department store yes <laughs> but he threw the threw it away because he thought it was trash and it's a good thing that rocky pulled it out and saw that they actually won the tickets um Jim was going to offer the tickets to Dennis and Peggy because yes. Dennis was going on vacation and, you know, he, he owes him a lot of favors, which I kind of appreciate. Like, yeah. you know, I, I ask him for a lot. This is the least I could do kind of thing. But they were taking a trip to Canada and they'd already had it planned. So thankfully, Jim and, and Rocky could use the tickets. Not only did they have a trip to Canada, but Rocky, uh, Jim took them to the airport. Yes. Which is an important clue. I don't particularly care about like continuity errors or whatever, but I do. Yeah. I did go, huh? Uh, because as a dedicated student of the show, Rocky's like, this is the first time I've been to Hawaii. And I was uh, remembering how that's actually a plot point from uh, Dirty Money Black Light is the episode where oh. he won a trip to Hawaii and he went by himself. And then all the cash starts showing up to his house and yes. envelopes. Yes. So I think it's a season three episode. We did it a long time ago now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was a, a similar setup where there was a fraudulent, spoiler alert, a fraudulent <laughs> uh, uh, trip to Hawaii that got Rocky out of the house to run this like money laundering scam. What a little sh**. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, Rocky. Whatever, Rocky. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, he's just so excited. His mouth is running a mile a minute. Uh, they're in the scrum of uh, tourists getting onto shuttles outside the airport. Rocky turns around, and before he can notice, a bunch of guys in suits run up behind both of them, grab Jim, and hustle him into an empty tram. Uh, and then Rocky doesn't notice that he's gone until he turns around and sees that uh, uh, shuttle going off with Jim inside. So we quickly get into some suspicious behavior. Uh, one of these guys in suits, the the one that stands out in front of the trams and says, this one's closed, folks. Mm. I think this is the guy. He's He's been in uh, three previous Rockford files, including a uh, tall woman in a red wagon and a portrait for Elizabeth. Mm. I totally recognized him. And I was like, and the moment he was saying, this tram uh, is closed, I was like, wait, this is the thing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he, he's not quite a villain in this one, but he, he definitely looks like a Rockford Files villain. Is that Lyle? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James Murtaugh. Mm-hmm. He's in a lot of things. Yes. Um, yeah, so speaking of actors we recognize, uh, once he gets <laughs> in there, 
who who has abducted him, but um, good old uh, Colonel Howling Mad Smith, <laughs> a commander from from Jim's Korea days. Uh, this is Ken Swafford, who was the dad in in the Queen of Peru. He's uh, a big presence. <laughs> he, he's. He's had uh, quite a few episodes. Yeah, uh, I think we haven't done the other ones he's been in yet, though. He was in the Aaron Ironwood, but oh, probably yeah. wasn't a big character in that one. But yeah, this is this is an actor who plays big well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact that I recognized him and the fact that he's a character from Jim's past in this episode threw me because I was trying to figure out oh, like lo- like when we last saw him. Yeah, like and. Uh, and I didn't pull out IMDb. I was doing the thing with my brain mm-hmm. where you try to uh, recall a thing. Where you try to remember things. Yeah. <laughs> and it didn't work because it didn't happen. Uh, because he wasn't the same character in the past. But yeah. Um, and he is a mile a minute with his banter. Oh, yeah. Okay, Jimmy, here's a scoop. Now, I'm out of military intelligence and working for national intelligence. Now, I need a guy for a piece of cake job. Somebody that's not in the agency. Some new face that I can SC in 10 seconds on my signature. SC? Security clearance. The old meat market stamp. Government approved. I think a lot of my notes are just me writing down things that he's saying, and I won't just repeat them. If you watch, if you want them, watch the episode, because it's great. He's just, he's dropping gems left and right as he's doing this. Yes. Uh, so he was uh, in Korea with Jim and apparently carried a wounded after after Rockford got wounded in some action, carried him for miles, you know, back yes. to back to base. Uh, so there's kind of this uh, backstory with the two of them. But now he's working for a national intelligence and he needs a fresh face for a for a for a caper. <laughs> Yeah, so he was military intelligence. He was military he's, intelligence. Yeah, and uh, there's this mention, and this is so tantalizing, of, and I think I got this right, Operation Kettledrum. Yes. And he says, I remember Operation Kettledrum and a duffel bag with half a million dollars. <laughs> That's it. It was either Kettledrum or kettle bag. I Yeah, I couldn't make out what exactly he was saying, but what a great piece of, like, young Jim Rockford's life that we don't like isn't the other the other thing that that we know about his time in Korea was like stealing tanks yeah he was, <laughs> he was stealing tanks. so I think out there there is maybe not a television show but like a series of an anthology a little bit of young Rockford mm-hmm. at war like young Indiana Jones but young Jim Rockford yeah young <laughs> hound dog Rockford Oh, yes. And oh, when we get to that, that is maybe one of my favorite things about this whole episode. There's a lot here. Um, yeah. The, as you said, uh, uh, Smitty's going a mile a minute. But the the thrust here is that Smith wants Jim to do a drop for him. And he's appealing to Jim's sense of obligation of, you know, being <laughs> saved in the war and everything. And also his patriotism, his duty right. to his country. To do this thing that shouldn't, that isn't that dangerous, but they need a fresh face so that someone from intelli- from national intelligence isn't recognized as part of this operation. He's he's not the kind of guy who would cash in, you know, like cash in a marker. But but also Jim should know he owes him. Yeah, <laughs> like, but he thinks Jim is the kind of guy who would honor that kind of thing. 
So, uh, yeah, he's not asking, he's not saying, Hey, you owe me, but he's saying, right. you're the kind of person who knows that he owes me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Jim clearly is, is, doesn't want to be involved, says that he's not interested, but does get drawn in by these appeals. Finally, he's like, okay, let's hear it. So this is Operation Net Serve. And, uh, the deal is they want to establish a visit from the national U.S. ping pong team <laughs> to go to Vietnam as this, like, showing like an olive branch kind of like international, uh, Reproachment. He mentions that this worked in China a couple of years ago, which I feel like I remember is a yeah, thing. That's a real thing. That's a real thing. Um, so what he needs is he needs someone to swap a briefcase of $100,000 American for a briefcase of $100,000 of Vietnamese currency, yes. which he uses a racial slur to refer to. Yeah. That was... And I was like, oh boy, that's the 70s, I guess. Yeah. Um, thankfully, that's the only moment that I noticed, at least. But I was like, it, it was in character Yeah, for that it, character. But I was just like, ah, we don't need this. Set me on edge. I, I kept waiting for other stereotypes to show up. And there's a little bit. A little bit. Honestly, the most stereotyped character in this might be the Brit. And we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that when that shows up. Yeah, so this, this swap will, like, smooth the way for the Vietnamese to let the ping pong team come into the country. And that's yeah. all they want. He he's in charge of this operation and he doesn't want his counterparts and like this already. I'm kind of like, I still don't really understand why Jim is needed for this, but whatever. Yeah. But to the extent of uh, 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 Smitty is the one who arranged for these tickets. Yes. They're in Hawaii in the first place because this national intelligence guy specifically wanted Jim to come and do this briefcase swap. This, I think, is what I was kind of getting at with the other episodes uh, based in Hawaii from this time period. Uh-huh. Where it's just like, it's just the flimsiest excuse to get you there. And it's not that this is nece- like the the little synopsis of this is 100% Rockford Files. Mm -hmm. The fact that Smitty needs Jim, but that only because he just needs like maybe a patsy or something. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't come to fruition that he just needs a patsy. Yeah. So it feels a little empty. Like he could have done this without Jim. Yeah. Or like it could have been done in LA or whatever. So this is my thing. I start overthinking this and I'm like, oh, this is such a flimsy set up clearly this isn't the real story exactly smitty is not actually a security like is not actually an intelligence person he's a con man or something and he's using this connection to jim for his own purposes and from this scene on i'm looking for not necessarily the clues like i'm going to figure it out but i'm looking for the elements that are foreshadowing the the twist yeah, and you're waiting for Jim to figure it out, right? You're yeah. waiting for Jim to be suspicious of it, which is usually what happens. He's like, oh, wait, mm-hmm. this doesn't add up. But he he wants out, which is he's pure Jim in this. He's like, no, I want no part of this. There are moments in this where uh, he clearly knows and sees all of the danger that's ahead. And he's like, this is ridiculous. I shouldn't be involved. But... He doesn't suspect that it's something other than what Smitty is telling him right is. And so that's throwing me for a loop. Yeah. Because uh, I'm in the same spot you're in. I'm I'm thinking, okay, this guy is running some sort of con on Jim. But he isn't. <laughs> right. But, yeah, he's not, as we'll get to. 
Um, and so, uh, he's gonna, Jim, Jim eventually is like, okay, fine. Like, he's appealed to, to him in all of these ways. He finally calls him a wet one. Like, well, if you don't yeah. want to do it, I guess we have a wet one here, guys. And <laughs> that's, that, that's too much. Jim's like, okay, fine. I'll do yeah. it. Smitty gives him a celebratory cigar, um, calls, uh, Dwight Whipple over to sign out the briefcase. And he's going to be the, the field agent that's, uh, going along with Jim for this operation. Man. I had I had such trouble with his name in my notes. I gotta tell you, I kept going between Whiffle and Whipple, and uh, I think I just settled on Whiffle. Is <laughs> <laughs> something that's both of them. D.W. D.W. Yes. Uh, well, I guess that's appropriate given how much screen time we take up talking about his name. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we should also point out because there's a very important bit here where Smitty gives Jim. A cigar. Yes. Yeah. We'll keep track of that cigar. Because I did. I watched <laughs> that cigar. <laughs> I also, this episode, I did so much noting of things that I thought were going to be... A thing. A thing, and then they weren't. Like, signing over the briefcase and how he, like, wrote down his initials on that tag, and there was, like, a tight close-up on it. Yeah. And I was yes. like, oh, that's going to be a thing. And then it never was. <laughs> the same thing. Like, ooh, DW. Who's el- who else is DW? How are we going to have this? Like, what does that mean? They're like, nope. Nope. So uh, uh, they return Jim and uh, I'm, I'm going to call him Whip because that's what he wants to be called. Yeah. Uh, Jim and Whip back to the, the cab stand, essentially, where they reunite with Rocky. Um, but not before finding out that uh, Whip here, he's only been in the field for two weeks. But he's very excited. Uh, and that's the whole thing. He's, uh, he's not a, he is an agent, but he's not well known. And so that's why he's been assigned to this. It's low risk. So. So th- this is where I start, not to just make this all about my emotional journey while playing, while watching this, but this is where I start to think that, uh, Colonel Smith, a uh, howling mad <laughs> is on the up and up. Mm-hmm. Because this is exactly the kind of thing that happens to Rockford. Like, yeah. we need you, you know, like, when this guy clearly could have just been the guy. Or rather, I don't think that Howling Mad is on the up and up. I think that Howling Mad is national intelligence. I just But don't there's think something he... else with this operation that isn't yes. what he told yeah. Jim. Like yeah. he doesn't trust someone in it or, you know, what whatever. But there's there's something definitely going on. He uh ends that conversation by going, Oh wow, postcards. Um, as he promised <laughs> to send his wife back some postcards. And he has this line which in retrospect is very sad. Yeah. Oh, I need to send these postcards back to my wife. We're four months pregnant. Yeah. Yes. Jim has a, a wry line about that, but um, uh, thinking about it now, that's so sad. That, that is sad. Um, Rocky comes up while he's looking at the postcards, uh, and he's like, hey, what happened to you? And um, when Dwight comes back, postcards in hand, he knows who Rocky is. He's like, oh, you must. this must be your father that you told me about. And he has this whole, and I thought very competently done, like, quick talk kind of story of like, oh, we, we met on the other tram. Turns out we're in the same hotel. I can just drive us. <laughs> And Jim keeps on kind of undercutting him with these snide comments. This must be your father you were telling me about. I was? Hi, I'm Dwight Whipple. I met your son Jim on the tram. I suggested we share my car on the way to the hotel. It's parked right below here. It turns out we're all staying at the Royal Surf. Well, now that's a real coincidence, huh? Not really. So Jim is having none of it. Yeah. There are three different conversations happening all at once, right? Yeah. You've, You've got Rocky, who's just excited to be here and is happy to meet a new person. You you have Whip, who is also excited to be here and is happy to meet a new person. Like, those two just really get along. And then you have Jim, who is angry at Whip 
for the situation he's being put into. And so he's undercutting him the whole way. And then you have Rocky, who is starting to boil over on Jim, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't come to a head during this, but, like, you can see he's, like... He, he like, won't let it go about this, you threw the tickets away. Yeah, thing. yeah. He keeps bringing it up. Oh, this is also, uh, Jim, there was this awkward moment where uh, Rocky asked Jim where he went. Like, yes. And then Jim, like, just offers him the cigar. <laughs> It's like, I don't smoke. Um, and we get this good Garner face. He, he does lots of good faces in this he does, episode. He does. He also does, like, uh, he lies poorly to Rocky. Yes. His heart isn't in it, I think. For He's really good at lying at other people, except for one particular moment in this episode. Uh, but generally speaking to Rocky, he just, his lies are very blatant and they're not, mm-hmm. they, they just don't add up. I don't know if that's a conscious choice on the part of making the show, but I think it's a good choice because it mm-hmm. makes it 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 means that he's not bringing the full force of his powers to bear against his father. Right. Yeah. We get this explicated a little bit more later, but basically he's in a position where a he knows he's not supposed like this is like a national intelligence thing. He's not. Yeah. He's undercover now. Right. Like he's not right. supposed to tell other people about it but he his heart isn't in it he's not invested in it mm-hmm. but he doesn't want to tell rocky because he also doesn't want to put rocky in danger his way of threading that needle of like i can't talk about it i don't want to talk about it but the effect of me not talking about it is not worth what i'm actually doing yes is <laughs> to kind of have these very poorly put together excuses they're not even lies they're just vague excuses that don't even respect rocky's intelligence enough to, you know, try and build some kind of better story. Um, they leave and we see some uh, Hawaiian goons uh, pile into a car and follow them from the airport. With an amazing mustache. Very good mustaches in this one. Uh, Dwight is, is driving and we have this whole scene where he's bantering with Rocky about names. Rocky's like, oh, me and my son, we have the same name. So people call me Rocky. And yeah. uh, Dwight says that, oh, you know, my friends call me Dwight. Jim says... Oh, what do your enemies call you? <laughs> but he really wants his friends to call him Whip, because Dwight Whipple is such a straight name. And Rocky <laughs> agrees that Whip is a good is a good name. Uh, and this goes on for a while. Yes. They get to the hotel, and uh, the valet tells Dwight that he has a phone call, or he got a message or something. He's got, he has it written on a piece of paper. Right, right, right. So he has to go make a phone call from a public phone. So he has this briefcase with $10,000 in it, or $100,000, right? Uh, it is 100000 Yeah, and he's not supposed to let it out of his sight, except when he gives it to Jim to take to give to the whoever he's transferring. Yeah. But uh, he has to make this call. He tells Jim, he's like, hey, can you lock this in the trunk? Jim thought that he was supposed to keep it, but... Uh, Whip says that he's not comfortable carrying the case by himself through the parking lot, and it'll be safer if Jim if they lock it in the trunk and Jim watches the car. Yeah, sure, sure, whatever. And I'm like, okay, so this is a setup, right? Mm-hmm. So Whip goes off. Ten minutes pass. Uh, the valet says that he has to move the car. Jim goes to look for Dwight. He finds the postcards on the ground by the payphone. Poor Whip is nowhere to be seen. He looks like he's not happy about this. And then he throws the cigar in the trash can on his way back to the car. Uh, I made such a note about this cigar because we focus on it after he does it, right? Mm-hmm. Like he throws it in the trash can and the camera focuses on it. And uh, I'm like, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. <laughs> but is it? 
Like, what's yeah. going on? Uh, and the end result is, this is just a cigar. It's a little piece of symbolism for, like, I'm done with it. Yeah. It, it's reasonable to think that Colonel uh, Howling Mad would think that Jim would be so excited about being part of this operation that he'd want a cigar like you would get if you if you had a child born, right? right. Like, uh, And it's useful for him to come up with that really poor lie to Rocky about where he was. That wasn't what the colonel was thinking, but that was just a thing that we could do in the story. And then it is this symbolic way of Jim being like, I'm done. This is it. I'm out. But I totally expected that cigar to be important. Have like a message in it or yeah. something or like, yeah. Nope, not all. Cigar exits the story here. And then I expected Jim to come back and like the car is gone or something, right? right. Like yeah. I expected this whole thing to be a setup to get the money away mm-hmm. from Jim. But then we cut to Jim coming into the hotel room carrying the suitcase or carrying the briefcase. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that wasn't a thing. Um, we have some business where Rocky says that Dwight isn't, isn't as much of a whip as he, or he notes that whip isn't a great nickname. He's not much of a whip. Yeah, because Rocky can't remember to call him whip. And then uh, Rocky just starts busting Jim's chops about this trip. You're bringing me down. <laughs> like, <laughs> he ain't lying. <laughs> you're not excited about this. Why are you trying to ruin this vacation? Because Jim's like, look, just go go get a drink, hang out in the bar. There's a couple things I have to do. I have to work something out. I'll be done in 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and Rocky gets so mad. You know, I just don't understand you no more. Because I'm deeply complicated and moody. Bullheaded. Yes. Because I guess in his head, right, it's like, oh, now we're doing all the father-son stuff. And now Jim is, he's ignoring me, you know. (laughs) He's like waiting out in the parking lot. Then he comes back and he wants me to leave. But uh, he does throw up his hands and and leave to go down and get his rum drink. (laughs) Jim waits till he leaves and then opens the suitcase and then just has the most like, oh, no, look on his face when it is indeed full of cash. That actually, I think, is one of the payoffs for what we've been kind of dealing with, which is, like, we're looking for the con that's being played on Jim. Mm -hmm. And maybe this is the moment that Jim realizes there's no con that's been played on him. Yeah. Now, Whip (laughs) is most likely dead. Mm -hmm. Now, like, up till then, it could be all part of a way to to, uh, leave Jim holding the bag, if you will. But now, it's not. Now it's probably all true, and now everything's bad. Everything's horrible. So he does a little play to um, to to find out where Whip's room is. So he calls the front desk. Turns out it's he has the room next to him, but he hasn't checked in yet. So then Jim calls that room. I think just to figure out which side it's on. Yeah. So like we hear the phone ringing, and then he knows that's the wall that is adjoining. Yeah. So he can do all that without leaving the room. That makes sense. I, that wasn't the thing I thought of at the time. I guess what I was thinking at the time was that he uh, was hoping to get one of Whipple's, you know. But I think you're right. I think that's more of what goes on in, in Jim's head. He's like, okay. Well, because he ends up, it rings a couple times. He ends up hanging up and then he gets yeah. a glass and starts like listening through the wall. And we zoom in on that glass. But then Rocky comes back in and he's he's steamed. What are you doing? I thought you said you are going to come down, et cetera, et cetera. And Jim is trying to concentrate. I want to know what incarnation is going on here. Dad, just shut up or get out. Shut up. 
Well, you ain't never said that to me since you was a little boy and I put you over my knee and banged some sense into you. Dad, I'm not fooling now. Either shut up or get out. Go on. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is uh, a little question I have for you. I feel like culture has changed a little bit. I remember as a kid telling my parents to shut up about something. Mm-hmm. And that being the worst thing I could have done. Mm-hmm. Like, I might as well have dropped an F-bomb. Like, that... is extremely rude. Yeah, you don't tell you don't tell your brother to shut up. You don't tell your sister to shut up. You don't tell us to shut up. I guess I feel like for a while there, that wasn't the case. Uh, like, as I became an adult and I witnessed children... I don't want to say that, like, I just witnessed a whole bunch of horrendous children <laughs> yelling at their parents. But, you do, you know, you, you, you live a life... You see people yelling at each other mm-hmm. from time to time. Teenagers slamming the door, telling someone to shut up, just seems par for the course. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to sound like an old funny dad. You're like, back in my day or whatever. But this really felt like that. Like, I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. It's not just that they're fighting. It's that he would, that this is would be an untenable tone to take with Rocky at any point. Yeah, it's it's like offensively rude. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you can see it, man, I'm reading into this, but I, I feel like even through like his body language and everything, you can see Jim thinking, I will fix this later. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like right now, I need to hear what's going on on the other side of this wall. Whatever it need, whatever I need to do to get Rocky out of here, I'll do it and I'll fix it later. It's even better if Rocky is upset and storms off. Like, I'm trying to drive him away. Yeah, we. I need this distance. Which he does. He uh, finally, like Jim has to say like two or three times, shut up or get out. And yeah. he finally does. We see Jim hear something through the wall. We see some hands going through drawers in a, in a cut. And then he goes out onto the balcony, takes some decorative uh, flowers out of a vase and peeks <laughs> around. There's like a little half wall between the two balconies. He peeks around that wall. And then our two Hawaiian goons are in the in the room. They see him. <laughs> And start taking pot shots at him with a silenced gun. So we have a brief chase through the low rooftops of the lower part of this hotel. Jim finally makes a break for it by bowling through the center of a hula lesson. <laughs> and so when the guys chase him out of the bushes, he's standing there and then uh, apologizes for being late. Uh, yes. And they, they're not willing to continue the chase in such a public place. So they fade off. Uh, I, I enjoyed this chase. I think most of the action that happens in this uh, episode is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I liked how this chase felt like an on-foot car chase from the Rockford Files. But uh, there was this weird reaction in the Hulu group where they're upset that he's there. Then they turn around and they're shocked to see these other people. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, sorry, I'm late. And they're they're like, oh, oh, I guess you're just part of the class. Yeah. And then they leave and they turn around and they're shocked again about those people. And it was just like, what's happening here? Like, do other people see this guy and his gun? That is yeah. my question. <laughs> like, or is that just an okay thing in Hawaii? Well, uh, we had a commercial cut there and then we come back to Jim saying that Telling the someone at the front desk that he needs to be paged. He's expecting a call back from someone at the federal building. It's very <laughs> important. He'll wait in the Lanai area. And so we follow him over there where Rocky is glumly sitting in front of his undrunk drink, which Jim asks, how long have you been letting that grow? There's little <laughs> flowers coming out of it. And this is a Jim tries to make it right. And then you told me to shut up your own path. Shut up, you said. You ain't never told me to. Shut up in all your life. Dad, I know, I know. Hey, you're right. 
Yeah. So Jim tries to explain as much as he can. He's like, I can't go yeah. into it. I've been asked to do something for the government and I can't talk about it. <laughs> and Rocky, like, doesn't believe him. Yeah, he's like, I ain't falling for that. <laughs> You're in trouble somehow. You're into something. Um, but Jim specifically apologizes for s- telling him to shut up. Tell me you're sorry you told me to shut my mouth. Come on, you know I'm sorry. Hey, it was a terrible thing to say. I know that, Dad. And so now we get into, like, Rocky emotional manipulation, where he he brightens up. He's like, <laughs> okay, you know, apology accepted. Hey, let's go to the beach. Well, I was going to stay here. I'm waiting for this phone call. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay, we'll go to the beach. Like, All right, let's go. Like, he gets sad, and that yeah. makes Jim do what he wants. It's good. I, I Like, their dynamic, right? I mean, we've... We always love their dynamic. It's, yeah, yeah. It's it's so good and tr- and feels so like emotionally true. And this is maybe slightly exaggerated from maybe the baseline I would expect, right. but it makes sense. Like I said, it's been boiling for a bit. Like in this episode, they start from the beginning where Jim, before any of this is happening, when Jim does that thing on the escalator where he's like. What are you doing? I'm giving you my full attention. Like, Mm -hmm. you're an ass, Jim. Yeah. (laughs) Rocky's being an ass, too, but he's being an old guy. He's being kind of crotchety, and, like, Jim's just being, like... I think Jim doesn't actually want to be in Hawaii. I think that's part of this whole underlying thing. Like, they want these tickets, and they're there because Rocky wanted to go, and Jim, like, doesn't actually want to be there very much. And nothing that happens while he's there makes him feel like he made the right choice. What, one of the things about their dynamic that I, uh, kind of ties into the part where he can't lie to Rocky is like when he says that line about how long have those been growing? He's trying to be cute. Yeah. He's trying to cheer him up and it falls flat and I can feel it. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. you, this isn't a, the type of show where you're often cringing for people, but like that moment I was like, Oh God. Oh, he's just upset, Jim. You can't mm-hmm. fix that with a joke. That's good. Um, well, before this can escalate into another, uh, thing, Jim does get paged and he does have a phone call. So he goes to get that, but it is not what he's, ex- the person he's expecting. It is in fact, uh, howling mad, uh, he's giving him a call cause the, the drop has been blown. You were supposed to be there an hour ago. Uh, he's, he's pissed. Jim runs down what happened, just kind of lays out all the facts. And, mm-hmm. uh, Smitty says, all right, that it's, it's time to call, call audibles. <laughs> We're gonna have to go into a new plan. So he wants to give Jim a gun. There's this whole thing where he's like, Oh God. Where Jim's like, No, I don't want a gun. He's like, No, what kind of heater do you want? Yeah. We'll give you a 38 with hollow points. <laughs> like, just <laughs> Jesus. way over the top. But here's the deal. Well, uh, you'll take the briefcase, go out the front of the hotel. My other guys will pick you up. We'll arrange a new drop. You're going to have to do this one on your own because we're, you know, we don't know what happened to, to, Dwight, they have this bit where they synchronize watches, and I was like, ah, this will be a thing, but yeah, nope. it, it wasn't. <laughs> I kept on thinking that these just specific details would play yeah. into things, and they just didn't. They were just bits, which is fine. I just, I guess, I don't know, my, my expectations were just different at a certain point that this episode is not interested in, in going to that length, I guess. Um, and this is where we get the great line that you already have gotten tattooed across your chest, which I thought was yes a, a good commitment between watching this and coming to record. Oh, yeah. It was hard to find a tattoo parlor that uh, would take that last minute. And baby, be tricky, be tough, and be a tiger. 
to my eternal regret, I called that tattoo parlor. I set it up and got it done after watching the opening montage. <laughs> and when I get to this part, there it starts with, and baby, be mm-hmm. tricky, be tough, and be a tiger. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> You'll have to go back. I could have had that. So now we have to get tattooed across my rib cage mm-hmm. and baby. <laughs> no, that's that goes on your neck. So you read down. Oh, yes, there you go. So he hangs up and then we have this just this amazing this might be my favorite part of the whole episode. Yes. So Jim's on this phone in the hotel that's this like handset. So it's not like the earpiece with the big separate microphone yeah. part. It's like an earpiece with kind of like a smooth part that comes down. So it's a little more like mod like 70s modern. Yeah. Smitty hangs up, he looks at the receiver, and then he throws it at the... He's upset. Where it hangs up, like a payphone is a vertical cradle. So he throws it at it, and it hits it and just bounces off. And then Rocky's there staring at him. (laughs) And he goes into this whole stammering explanation of like... Oh, uh, I was just trying to throw it, see, and make it stick. It's, It's a... It's a little game. Uh, I saw a guy do this once. It's really a little trick. You know, it's yeah, it's harder than I thought. Rocky's uh, just uh, staring at him. And I was like, was this just extemporaneous? Like, it feels right. like it's just something that happened. And they're like, just let the cat, just keep rolling. Keep rolling. Get all of this. <laughs> like, he was supposed to hang up and it didn't. Or he threw it when he was supposed to just put it up. Or, like, and they just ran with it. I don't know. There's something about it that doesn't feel quite so planned. And I love it. I mean, my read of it was that he's angry and Rocky catches him being angry when he's trying to have Mm -hmm. a good vacation with Rocky. And he's again lying to Rocky, which is the thing that he has trouble with. But there was also this other bit where it's just so ingrained in my head now, like when he threw it on there and he said he saw someone do it later on. As I was like prepping my notes, I was like, did he mention YouTube? (laughs) he, He didn't. But my brain had, had constructed him him watching this trick on YouTube and trying to reconstruct it. And I was like, what's going on? I thought that he was going to make some specific reference. Like, I saw it on Johnny right. Carson. Like, on, you know, like, some show. And in that vacuum, my brain was like, oh, clearly it's a TikTok or... or well, I mean, it was the 70s, so it was probably a uh, uh, Vine. Right. <laughs> Well, he he tells Rocky to go go down to the pier, rent a fishing boat so they can do some <laughs> sunset fishing. Uh, he has a couple things to, to do. He'll be there in 45 minutes, uh, maybe an hour. And so when he, you know, gives these vague timeline, Rocky gets mad again and storms off. <laughs> and so Jim, frustrated, angry, gives the briefcase that's at his feet a big kick. So it shoots open and just shoots a wad of cash across the floor. <laughs> And there's all these people there staring at it. And he has this quick, lame, like, oh, this isn't what it looks like. I'm with the, like, Hawaiian repertory players. What does he call it? Like, we're doing a... The money machine? Yeah, the money machine. This is all prop money. And he's, like, gathering it all into the suitcase. And then he ends with, hope you like the show. Yeah, I I think we're supposed to get that he's really flustered with all this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it is, uh, it it was a good bit. That might be my favorite part of the whole thing. Happy, I need a quick break. I'm going to grab a taco. You tell our wonderful listeners all the places that they can find you and your work on the Information Superhighway. I'll be right back. One way to find me is to go to twitter.com and search for at epidiah, E-P-I-D-I-A-H. 
I'm usually responsive there. Otherwise, you can go to worldswithoutmaster.com where you can find my sword and sorcery fiction and role-playing games. And if you like role-playing games, maybe you want to check out digathousandholes.com where uh, I publish all my other role-playing games. Oh no, I dropped my calculator. Nathan, while I go pick up a spare, why don't you tell the good folks uh, where they can find you on the internet? In addition to this podcast, I also design and publish role-playing games, including the worldwide wrestling, pro wrestling role-playing game, among many others. You can find links to all of my games and other projects at ndpdesign.com. And of course, you can find me on twitter.com at ndpaoletta. Looks like you're back. You you ready to continue the arithmetic analysis for this episode there, Epi? I'm back. I have my DM42 with me, and I'm ready to get in, dig down into Rockford's books again. Mm. All right, well, I'm done with this delicious avocado taco. Well, let's get back to the show then. Jim gets picked up by Lyle, who's driving. Jim's the passenger seat. He wants Jim to take a gun. Jim <laughs> yeah. doesn't want to take a gun. But now the rules have changed. Plan hasn't gone how it was supposed to, so now anything could happen. Sign this receipt. And Jim doesn't want <laughs> the gun. And uh, he just keeps hammering on this until finally he takes it under protest. Again, thought that signing the receipt would be a thing. Not a thing. I, you know, there's a point, we'll get to it, but there's a point where I thought that this might have been what the whole deal was. Mm-hmm. That has to do with this signing the seat receipt, uh, but I don't think it, it doesn't pan out. Lyle's taking him to the spot to make the exchange. It's a restaurant that he says he doesn't like very much because it's a hangout for rongos and commies. <laughs> um, and the, the middleman that he's supposed to exchange briefcases with, his name is Lance Sue. Yeah, and he's already already spooked because things haven't because the first drop was canceled um so take the gunfighter seat yeah so now jim's like look i thought there was no danger this wasn't supposed to be dangerous and now i'm carrying a gun and i'm sitting with my back to the wall yeah uh, which is great he's like what's the rush why is this so why does this have to happen right now uh and i was like i too would like to know what the rush is (laughs) but according to lyle it's what the Secretary of State wants. Who am I to, you know, I'm not going to uh, get in the way of that. He's sure he'll be fine. Uh, the colonel says that they can count on Hound Dog. <laughs> this, this is the most Jim Rockford moment, I think, of this entire episode. Mm-hmm. Hound Dog. You want to know where I got that nickname? I was wounded in Korea. Colonel Smith picked me up, threw me over his shoulder, and carried me 15 miles in the snow. And every step he took, I howled like a hound dog. That's right. <laughs> and this is so, like, it's such a badass name. The hound dog. He finds what he's looking for, you know, or whatever. But it, the, the truth of the matter is, and the fact that Jim really needs people to know and understand the truth of the matter, <laughs> is that he's human. He was hurt. And so he cried out. <laughs> like, He's not some superhuman, like, operative that could do, you know, whatever. No, he was he was injured and he cried because he was injured. He, not cried, but like, whatever. And uh, yeah, I love it. It just cuts right through the BS, cuts through the machismo of it, and mm-hmm. just is like, nope, this is what that is. It's good. Well, Jim has the briefcase. He gets shown to the table where he's supposed to meet Lance Sue, uh, who has apparently gone off to the to the bathroom. Uh, so everyone here is like kind of like slimy, underworldy kind yeah. of you know deal. And so the guy who ushers him in and asks him, "So what's your deal? You know, you with the company?" 
And Jim says that he's just a man on vacation. <laughs> so he orders a water because his mouth is starting to get pretty dry. And then we, the, the camera shows us the bartender tipping a powder into the, into his <laughs> glass of water. So he takes a swallow and then goes to the bathroom himself, uh, starts coming over faint, and then notices that there's some feet under a stall door, opens the door, and a man with a knife in his back comes <laughs> falling forward out of the stall. I do like the touch of the knife. and like It's such a classic murder mystery trope, and it's completely unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, just, it, you don't need to show a wound. We literally we just poisoned Jim. I guess the only reason for it is to let us know that the poison that Jim ingested might not be fatal. Yeah. Because this man was killed by some other means. Yeah. Uh, Jim, again, kind of gets a little bit of like, uh, oh, no. <laughs> like, of course, but also, oh, oh, no, look on his face. But he's still woozy and he's stumbling. And he stumbles out the back of the restaurant right into a group of goons who have been waiting for him. And they rough him up pretty, pretty uh, brutally. Mm-hmm. Give him some gut punches and then hustle him into a waiting black uh, limo. This is a uh, of a piece with uh, the episode we did last time, which is part of our ongoing The Altered States of Jim Rockford. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no oral surgery this time around. So th- this moment here felt like uh, a commercial break, right? Like, Yeah. And I took that opportunity uh, to put in my notes... Where the hell is Angel and Dennis? <laughs> yeah, it's like, we're halfway through the episode. <laughs> yeah, like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, I also was kind of like, okay, so we're finally getting some something. Right. But this still doesn't seem like it's related to uh, to Mad Dog. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, on the one hand, we always love when there's multiple, like, factions, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're getting it, we're essentially getting another faction. Cause these aren't the Hawaiian, or are these, no, these are the Hawaiian goons, right? No, no, they're not. They're the Vietnamese guys. The ones who poisoned him might be the Hawaiian goons. I think that's the case. I think the ones that beat him in the alleyway belong to who we'll just meet, it will meet in a moment, Dutch, who might be British. I'm not sure. It's hard to tell. I think there's a line <laughs> where he's supposed to be British. Yeah, no, he is. I, I, I wrote in my notes. <laughs> it was like, so, so we have a, a blurry coming back to consciousness. Yes, yes. Looking out over the beautiful Hawaiian uh, beach into the water as mm-hmm. Jim comes, comes to, uh, but he's tied to this big tree stump. We are again visiting with another of our old friends. No, not Angel, not Dennis, and not a character we've seen before, but this actor was also in The Queen of Peru, oh. and he was the British uh, jewel heist yes. organizer, Ginger. So we're getting... So so now my headcanon is that Ginger <laughs> and Ronco from Queen of Peru <laughs> have decided to go into business for themselves and reinvented themselves. In Hawaii. As international super spies. As international super spies. But yes, this is his his name here. He's I'm Dutch Ingram. I'm the bloody king of this stretch of beach. And you, you're the bloke what's going to tell me why you got the money that was supposed to be delivered to Lance Sue. And while you're at it, you can tell me who packed Lance in. Because I don't take kindly to my blokes being dirked, I don't. Um, Jim is have has a bad headache, a Hawaiian <laughs> headache, if you will. Yes, the, the the titular headache. And I feel like there's a lot. So this scene, like, it's not like there's a lot to this scene, but I was so confused. 
I was trying to understand. So, so what they tell us in the scene is that he's, he's the middleman. Mm-hmm. So he's the one who's arranged this money transfer to get the U.S. ping pong team access to Vietnam. So the guys with him are from the Vietnamese government. Yes. So they're on the beach behind him counting the money. Yes. While he's trying to find out from Jim why Lance Sue got killed. Right. And so right. Lance Sue's money has gone missing. Lance Sue, and that's the $100,000 in Vietnamese currency. So, yeah, there's... Okay. Uh, I, I feel Jim's headache. So, wait, are they Vietnamese or Hawaiian? Is this guy lying? Or he, is he so, working with the U.S. or not? It even pans out. We learn more about it a little bit later, and it doesn't clear it up. Uh, he was, he is working with them and on his own. These guys, he specifically says they'll probably just split it up amongst themselves. That's just how this works. Yeah. Okay. So here's, here's the thing. Not to get too critical of, of, cause once again. Well, so I'll just say, so I'm here. I'm like, okay, here's what I'm being told by the scene. I feel like there's yeah. still something else going on that has yet to be revealed. Are there clues yeah. to that here? If there are, I'm not getting them. That's fine. Let's just see how this goes. That's yeah. kind of like where I'm at. Yeah, no, that's exactly where I'm at too. Like, again, this is a romp that I enjoy watching. There are lots of good interactions with the characters. But when it comes to the plot, when it comes to the, not the plot, like the plot of the story, although a little bit of that, but the plot that the CIA is cooking up here. Yeah, the or whatever, operation. The operation. I am so lost. It's a bad plan. So, so yes. <laughs> and it, but what they, what they don't do, just to get like critical of it for a moment so we can kind of learn from it here. They never hand off the bouncing ball to us, right? Like, so if the money means nothing, right? If it, it was like, these guys are good, have it now, they'll just split it amongst themselves. It won't ever really make, it wasn't ever going to make it back to right. the Vietnamese people or whatever. Uh, then that evaporates in my head as a concern. Mm-hmm. So what is our concern? Like what's left? Right. Is it, is it the murder mystery behind uh, who killed Lance? Oh, yeah. We're, so we're transitioning to a murder mystery. But we're not really in that spot. These people say they want to know that. Or Lance, uh, not Lance, uh, Dutch. Dutch says he wants to know that. But it's it hasn't quite transferred there. And it will in the next scene or two. Mm-hmm. But then it won't. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what it is, is that we kind of... We kind of keep getting handed these cards that tell us what the plot is, and they none of it carries any weight because it'll just be undone in just a moment, and yeah. it won't be undone through. I mean, Rockford does stuff. It's not like he doesn't have agency, but he's not really changing anything. I think I have a takeaway about about Jim in this that may I'll save for the end. That's kind of about yeah. that. Um, yeah. And then the thing that really kind of confused me was that Dutch says, all right, let's go see your friends at the federal building. Yes. So, I mean, that could be read as a legit, let's take you to the U.S. Yeah. intelligence people. Or that could be a wry, like, right. we're going to round up your friends. And I couldn't tell which way that was supposed to be read. <laughs> yes. But it doesn't matter too much because Jim uh, takes a moment where neither. So it's like Dutch and his like main goon, the big, the mm-hmm. beefiest one, are are carrying him over to the car. And then the other guys are still dealing with the money. So he takes a moment where the two of them are not focused on him to do a classic Jim Rockford shove you away when you're not <laughs> expecting it. Uh, and he gets the, he gets the drop on the two of them. He punches them both out and then he jumps into the limo and uh, peels out and gets away as the uh, Vietnamese government guys start shooting at him 
Yep. Great. Or gunfire. Because it's important that he stopped. But we don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we get, I think, the moment you've been waiting for. Yes. So we cut from the limo, like, disappearing into trees mm-hmm. to... Well, Angel. <laughs> to Jim yelling, Angel! Yes. And we get a, the exact image that's on the IMDb, which is the whole reason why I selected <laughs> this episode, uh, in that wonderful Hawaiian shirt. And he's like... Jimbo and the white the white hat the white hat uh, as Emily watched this with me she pointed out that there's just there's wonderful hats abound in this episode there are wonderful hats uh angel so Jim sh- shouts angel and angel's response is so wonderful because he says I I'm not gonna do it angel hello <laughs> hey Jimmy what's happening it's beautiful and it's you expect like oh oh now the gonna hit the fan right but i don't want to set your expectations like mine were they're not uh but we get some really good lines from angel we do these are some good lines he he heard that his pard had a had a whole expenses paid trip to hawaii to paradise and what's the only thing missing an angel (laughs) in paradise yes he has this whole line about how he got a hot ticket to come out there and all he needs is Jim to to tell the guy at the bar that that's his signature so he can so that Angel can charge his tab to Jim's <laughs> room for the expenses which is great. So I love that he's already grifting. And yeah, and it's it's great that Angel just assumes that Jim's going to be okay with this plan. Yeah. And Jim just straight up is like, "Get out." Yeah. And, and Angel, one of my absolute favorite responses. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm not sure if I heard you right. Did you tell me to get out? <laughs> so good. Oh, it's so good. But before anything can happen, there's a knock on the door, and it is the uh, Hawaiian police. They have a search warrant. And as soon as they say police, uh, Angel starts trying to talk his way out of the room. Like he's the caterer or yeah. something like that. It's like, we'll talk about those flower arrangements when you're ready. Uh, you know, we'll see you yeah, later, yeah. Mr. Rockford. <laughs> he tries to leave. <laughs> um, but no, they, they pat down both of them. And then uh, they go down to the parking lot where the rental car is there. And he says, this this the rental car that you rented? And Jim says, no, I didn't rent any car. It's like, well, your name is on the contract. Yes. So Jim continues denying that he rented the car, which he did not. Yes. Says that uh, he wants to talk to his lawyer. And they're like, okay, that's fine. But first, we're going to open this trunk. And they open the trunk, and it's uh, poor, poor Dwight folded yes. up in that trunk. And Angel in there gets in a, I'm not with him, <laughs> before the <laughs> book him, murder one. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. This is the part where my brain was saying, oh, this is the receipt for the gun. Hmm. He signs the receipt for the gun, and it's actually the car rental contract or whatever, so that he can be framed for this murder. I don't know why. I mean, other than somebody has to be framed for a murder. Hmm. Um, But, uh, again, this is the thing that just keeps happening in this episode, where you you keep reading into things uh, because there's nothing to be read into. (laughs) And you're like, what? Because who did that? Yeah. Who who put this car rental in his name? It would have to be Colonel Smith's people because they're the ones that rented the car, right? Like, this is Whipple's car. Right. But it's or not. Or is it the Hawaiian Mafia? I think it's the Hawaiian Mafia? <laughs> we'll get into this at the end, maybe. I think maybe yeah. it's uh, Dutch, right? Oh, maybe. Maybe. Because Dutch... 
is getting back at the U.S. Yeah, I don't know. People for the murder of his guy. It's it is never addressed. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's maybe something about part of getting them out there was that they also set up the rental car in Jim's name without telling him so that he'd have it. So it just happened to be in his yeah, name? Yeah, it could be. But that was never telegraphed. That's just reading into yeah. a possibility. So, like, who knows? The The point is Jim's getting framed for murder, right? Like, that's the point. Mm. That's why we're here, to see Jim get framed for murder. Uh, exactly what the mechanism of that framing was is never explained. Yes. But Jim is able to make some phone calls from from the Hawaiian equivalent of downtown. And he's trying to get to Dennis. And so here's our second, the second best part of this episode <laughs> where, where we have Jim on the phone talking to Captain McEnroe, AKA Jack Garner, <laughs> who doesn't believe it's really Jim. Anyone could call and say that they're Jim Rockford. Yes. <laughs> he's trying to get in touch with Dennis. And basically, uh, Captain McEnroe holds Jim up for Lakers tickets. <laughs> <laughs> it's like i know you have tickets that you should that you know i know you uh give tickets to to becker for some of the lakers games um and jim's like okay i can get you a pair of tickets it's like well i like to go to multiple games you know yeah. really make like a thing out of it make it a weekend thing yeah, yeah it's like okay i'll give you three tickets three pairs of tickets <laughs> i know they're in canada they took this plane that i drove them to just tell me where they are but turns out they're not in canada they're in the hawaiian garden hotel <sighs> jim is now on the phone with with becker uh who's oh. in the foreground in a hat and a hawaiian shirt and in the background is billings in a hawaiian <laughs> shirt <laughs> poor peggy well it turns out that it's something of a policeman's holiday he's there with some other yes. cops on business and uh he had to tell a little white lie to jim because he didn't want to offend him by turning down his tickets to Hawaii. Because it wouldn't look right if he took Jim's tickets when he was going to Hawaii anyway. So to avoid making him feel bad, he made up that they were going to Canada. Apparently to the extent of drive us to the airport. Yes. He's so deep into it. And I love how he just, he's in the middle of the explanation and he, he kind of abandons it. Ah, Jim, how are you? Yeah. I can't go any further with this. So, of course, now I'm like, oh, okay. So now there's like, so Smitty is rogue and there's this operation yeah. to like keep an eye on him. And they're just letting that play out so they can get all the evidence. And now Jim's going to be able to work with Becker to like spring it right. from the inside. No, not there for nope. anything related to what Jim's doing. Never <laughs> explained why they're there. Which is fine. Like, that, I don't care about that. It's just like, yeah. I, again, immediately started plotting out the next twist that never came. Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, and so Jim um, says that uh, to get him out of this, he's going to need to get, he's going to need to see if, uh, <laughs> if Becker can run a license plate for him. <laughs> which is good. Like, that's a good Yeah, gag. that's good. Good gag. Um, down at the station, uh, Mad Dog shows up, which I did not expect. I thought that Jim was just on his own from now yeah, on. Yeah. But no, Mad Dog's there, and he's mad at the cops because they are now interfering in a U.S. covert operation, and he needs this man. So, you know, you need to let him go immediately. I don't care what charges you have against him. And when the chief says, uh, I don't understand any of this, he says, you're not supposed to understand. Yes. It's secret, which I think is the thesis statement for the plot. There's this great thing about Mad Dog uh, in that he's doing these covert operations. The whole thing is about it being secret. 
and he is the loudest <laughs> person on. Yeah. And like Jim yells at him on the phone for just belching it all out mm-hmm. where so many switchboard operators can overhear it. Uh, and in this moment where he's like, you're not supposed to understand it. It's a secret. Just shouting it as loud as he can be. This is also Mad Dog brings up this ploy that he has that originally I was like, wait, why is he still in Hawaii? Right. This is the second time he says this. Yeah. He's like, I have to be on a flight to Hong Kong in an hour to hurry people up. Uh, it's, it's fun. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's fun, but it's also like, okay, I need to just stop caring about what the story is. Yeah, exactly. At this point, it doesn't matter. Like, Jim's in jail. No, he's out of jail. Yeah. He's already setting up to get himself out or to, you know, do something. And, uh, then Mad Dog just shows up. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't want to complain too much about the episode because, like I said, really enjoyed watching it. Yeah. But a lot of this business that just turns out to be just business, mm-hmm. I kept expecting something from it that, I, yeah. We get a, a fun little joke reversal here where oh, Jim good. from a payphone is calling Dennis, who now Dennis is down at the station because he had to yes. go down there to run the plate. Um, so uh, Mad Dog took custody of Jim. Jim said, I think he said something like, oh, I'm off the hook. And Dennis is like, yeah. no, you're just in his custody. They still have the charges against you. <laughs> <laughs> so he's still on the hook for this murder charge, even though he is in custody of yeah. Mad Dog. But Dennis did run the plate for the limo that Jim got away in and even though it comes up with a bunch of like dead addresses or whatever scuttlebutt at the station says that that is uh dutch's car and that he lives at this certain address um you know somewhere and then just the most amazing dennis like humoring jim thanks dennis i'm sorry to put you through all this hey no sweat uh, that's why I came down here. If I don't run a plate every couple of hours, my hands start shaking. All right. See you soon. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And then Smitty comes back uh, to, to Jim after he gets off the phone with some aspirin for his terrible headache. And yes. my notes here are just like, and they have banter about dying for your country. Yes. <laughs> Dwight went down in the, in the service of his country. Uh, you know, that's how I want to go and all this, oh, all yeah. this stuff. And Jim is not having any of it. Because why would, why would you want to die staring at a vase when you get shot in the head? Like, yeah. <laughs> or whatever it was. It was just like, Yeah. So they go to Dutch's uh, fancy house. Uh, Smitty's on the radio in the car calling in a pincher action. Uh, Jim and Mad Dog will go in the front and then he wants his his guys to come in from both sides in the rear with lead in the air. And Jim's like, <laughs> why are you giving that order? And even and on the radio, one of the guys is like, yeah, uh, sir, you're going to be caught in the crossfire if we do that. Yes. He's like, I can take care of myself. So I guess he's just really bad at his job. Yeah, we're going to end on that note, like when we get to it. But that's what we're learning. Mm-hmm. It's just that that this guy just doesn't doesn't do well. Well, he hasn't been in a good firefight in two years. So yes, you know he, he he's he's looking forward to some action. It gets dark here too. Like he literally. I think confesses to shooting a guy for not going up I the hill. I think so. Yeah, he's like, you know what happened to the to yellow bellies who don't go up the hill? And he's like holding the gun threateningly and staring at Jim. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I kept waiting for Jim to like jump him from behind as they're <laughs> approaching this door because 
This guy is is a danger. Mad Dog is a sociopath. Yeah. Um. I guess he does throw. He's like, okay, here's what's going on. Dutch is playing both ends against the middle, and Jim's yeah. like, okay, but why kill his own guy? Right. Like that doesn't wash, and it's just like things get weird. Yeah. Things change all the time. He'd he'd sell out his sister for for a dollar. He was in a situation where he was on the payroll of three different co- countries at the same time. Who knows what he'll do? And so, uh, with the threat of you know, you know what happens if you don't go up the hill behind him? Oh, they they go in the front. They there's a bit of a gag where they knock on the door and it's answered by a, a woman who in the credits is Mrs. Ingram, uh, <laughs> which is great. Uh, she's just she's this very voluptuous uh, bikini wearing woman who who does not believe that john smith wants to come see dutch that is smitty's name this episode is her sole imdb credit (laughs) she just she had to be like a local extra right i i wanted to look it up because dutch is british uh and I wanted to make sure the actor was because I was having... He's like kind of Australian a little bit. Yeah, there's like I was having trouble with his accent, but it's legit, I guess. But maybe it was just his dialogue. It was very <laughs> bleeding and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then when she came on, I was like, come on. Because <laughs> she's putting on an accent as well. Or maybe, again, like she could be uh, British as well. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, her IMDb is very scant. <laughs> well, Dutch is hanging out with his with his uh, Vietnamese government pals by the pool. And we get this like very strange... It's not even exposition, confrontation, I guess. So Smith comes in, Jim's behind him. He's like, you set up this double cross. Dutch says that there is no double cross. I sent in my best man for the drop. You know, he ended up dead. And then this ringer shows up and he doesn't know anything about spycraft. (laughs) He's bumbling around. Mad Dog wants to take him to a uh, to a to a cold drop where he can or whatever it's called. Like, yeah, I think, yeah. I think that's the term he uses. Uh, where he can ask him questions until he's satisfied. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Dutch calls for his goons and they show up with their guns. It doesn't change a thing. You're still the first to go. Oh, I see. The old American favorite. Other standoff. All right, I'll play. Well, I'd rather not. Is there some place I could wait until you guys are finished? Where did you find him? There are times when everyone is right. This seems like one of those times. Now, if I might make a suggestion, why don't we all just back away from this thing and make a time for a new meet when cooler heads prevail? Shut your hole, Rockford. This guy's dead either way. I do love how as soon as things start to escalate, Jim takes the role of, like, trying to calm everyone down. Yes. (laughs) De-escalate the situation. Mad Dog says, no way. And then Dutch yells. And then guns start firing. And then everyone dives for the floor. And uh, there's just constant gunfire while Jim grabs the radio that uh, Mad Dog dropped and calls in backup. (laughs) Calls in the the government guys. So they finally storm in and then kind of apprehend everyone. At the end of the day, Jim is the only one who was injured in all of that shooting. And he has a big bloody spot on his shoulder. Yeah. Uh, Mad Dog picks him up and starts patting him directly on the wound to congratulate (laughs) him. And Jim's just with the most savage, like, don't touch me. <laughs> Most disgusted is the word I'm looking for. Most disgusted line. Don't touch me. Uh, yeah. So that happens. It. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a good uh, ending to this action here. We don't know again what the stakes really were, but in the moment, the stakes were very clear. The, there was danger to Rockford's life, yeah. and he had to find a way out. 
he had this great line in it where he's like, uh, is there some place I can wait until everyone's finished? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, this doesn't seem to be about me. Yeah. It's just, again, weirdly unsatisfying because I, I had a moment where I was like, why do the operatives need Rockford to call them in? Mm-hmm. There, There's a lot of gunfire going on. Yeah. I wonder if that moment was to kind of establish that if Rockford hadn't done it, like Mad Dog wasn't going to. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe that's the case. Maybe they're they're just following orders and they're following the orders of a Mad Dog. Yeah. Or Howling Mad. That's we Sorry. keep calling him Mad yeah. Dog, but it's Howling, Howling Mad. Mad. Yeah, you're right. Like uh, Howling Mad. What's his name from Nick Fury's Commandos? Well. We go from there to the hospital, where, just like us, Rocky doesn't understand what happened. <laughs> Jim has his full arm in a cast. Oh, yeah. So it's a pretty serious injury, I guess. And Howlin' Mad is in there. He's saying he has a Coast Guard chopper coming to take him to the mainland, and uh, they'll get his treatment covered on the, you know, the government will take care of all of it. The charges here have been dropped. They don't need you for the trial. You, you've done a good job and you can go home. Um, I, I don't remember what order this all came in. I yes. went back to make sure I got each bullet point just to see where this all went in the dialogue. So Dutch was working for both sides. Mm-hmm. Dutch killed Dwight. Lance Sue was killed by the Komodo brothers, who are apparently Hawaiian mafia. Yeah. And those were like the two guys that chased Jim um, out of the hotel. So they were working for Dutch, but also for themselves. So yeah. that was like a completely off screen, unrelated issue, mm-hmm. I guess. And then uh, Dutch was working for the US and himself. The Vietnamese guys were working for the Vietnamese government and themselves. So they all just wanted to get the money from each other, from the other side, I guess. And that's what happened. And the whole thing turned out better than a grenade and a wedding cake. Well, Jim's like, but what about the ping pong team? Yes. Smitty says, well, we didn't make the exchange, but we took five no goods off the playing field. (laughs) It's it's so bad. Yeah. (laughs) We do get a nice classic Rockford ending. It's not as tidy or... (laughs) Sure, yeah. It's it's not a happy ending. He he gets on the plane. uh, We get... uh, Howling Mad. Talking to Lyle. Yeah. Howling Mad gets him on the plane by saying he's got to catch a flight to Hong Kong in. Come on, Hama, Hama, let's go. Come on, come on, hurry up. i got to catch a flight to Hong Kong in 10 minutes. And then Lyle finally asks him about that flight to Hong Kong. Caroline, we better hurry, sir. Hey, I'm not going anywhere. I just wanted to hurry him on his way. He then says that, you know, Rockford was a real disappointment. I don't like seeing one of my guys get hurt that sloppy or something yes, like that. So now right. he's like blaming Jim for getting shot. And then he tells Lyle to do the paperwork. He doesn't want that mud on his file. And he was technically under your direct command. And Lyle's like, oh, come on. Yes. And it's like, oh, this guy is the worst. He is. Which, as it turns out, was probably the whole point to the episode. Right. So, yeah. And then we end with two great voiceovers. The first is we cut to Becker and Billings in their Hawaiian shirts walking down like a like a like a golf course or something. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful Hawaiian scenery as the plane flies overhead and they're talking about Rockford. It's like where did he go? He just disappeared. And they very specifically say the Hawaii police don't want to question him in that murder. Well, if he leaves the state, you know they'll just pull him back with a subpoena. <laughs> so like how mad lied. Yeah. <laughs> lied to Jim. 
created more trouble for him down the road. And then we get the voiceover as we see the plane going by. Uh, Rocky asking Jim if he's comfortable. And Jim saying that, sure, he's comfortable enough, but we're off the ground. Can you let go of my hand now, Dad? Yes. I'm with Rocky on that. And we end with a freeze frame on uh, on the plane as it leaves Hawaii. Yeah. So that was the Hawaiian headache. Yeah. I mean, it's... It, it's silly fun. Yeah. It feels a little bit like, I don't know, not even like a first draft, because like, there's good jokes and stuff, yeah. but it feels kind of like a, at a certain point, they're like, phoned in, I guess, is more of the, who cares? Let's just... We're going to be in Hawaii. We'll just enjoy that. <laughs> we'll have some murders. It'll be great. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I think it's very... Uh, not not Cannell's best work in terms of uh, structure. Yeah, but the dialogue stepped up. Lots of good stuff between uh, Rocky and Jim. Yeah. The brief moments with Angel and the brief moments with Dennis were all gorgeous. And there was the action was pretty good. Uh, it, I think the action itself, if it suffers, it suffers from the fact that we're just like, I don't, I don't know what in our discussion of it when Jim gets mickeyed and he leaves the restaurant. Yeah. We have to like stop and think to ourselves, wait, who's doing this? Yeah. And why? Yeah, there's a lot. It's like, so did did Dutch kill Dwight when he went for that phone call? Like, right. I guess, right? Or abduct him and then kill him later or whatever. But why? why? Like, in order to get the money that... But he didn't have it with him. Right, and it was not Dutch who was up in the room. It was the Hawaiian mafia. But they were working for Dutch. Oh, that's right. That's right. But, like, so was his thing... I'll arrange this meet, and then I will take the money from the Americans and just give that to the Vietnamese, and then they keep their money? And that's the scam? I think there would have been easy ways to clean this up. And that, what, this is armchair yeah. quarterbacking or whatever. But, like, if you just spent a moment and had Dutch and Howling Mad in cahoots. Exactly. That's what I was right? just thinking. Yeah. And putting putting Rockford in the middle of it so that they had somebody who the government wouldn't try to back. He can just go down. Yeah. Then you then you have a plot that you can Jim can like suss out and mm-hmm. try and figure out how to get out from underneath it and blah blah blah. You wouldn't have to change a whole lot. Yeah, I think that was kind of my takeaway about Jim in this is that he's not it's not just that he doesn't figure anything out because there's kind of nothing to figure out. Um, It's kind of that he's he's always behind the ball and he's never that one step ahead Mm -hmm. that we kind of assume that he is like like that's that's the joy of Jim Rockford, right? We get to see him be good at what he does. And in this, he's just not good at what he does. (laughs) He's basically played the whole time but there's no con (laughs) yeah that's the thing (laughs) so it's not like he's being tricked he's just kind of like being pressured to do things he doesn't want to do and then when there's consequences he's like well guess now i'm getting suckered another way i don't know it's not a great showing for for poor jim um yeah i mean it's not like it's even like i don't know it's not a bad episode for those of us who are invested in the structural underpinnings of how the mystery plays out this episode doesn't care about that no it doesn't but it kind of has enough of the trappings of caring about it that i kept getting tricked into caring about it is kind of how i feel because there's some episodes that aren't about the mystery they're about the characters and so but they don't have so much going on that's mysterious and and it's 
It's not just the the plot details that do that, though. The filming does that, too. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like there's an alternate edit of this that has, like, one more scene and a little different dialogue that is a three-pronged, like, U.S. intelligence, Dutch, Hawaiian mafia collision with Jim stuck in the middle. Now we're really speculating here, but, like, when you take into account the amount of, like, voiceover work that's done as well, Mm -hmm. that's entirely possible. They might have had something that they looked at and they were like, oh, it didn't hang together. Mm Mm-hmm. How do we, how let's do we unspool it a little bit? Yeah. Let's, how, how do we make it work with what we got? Yeah. It's a bit, as they say, of a headache. <laughs> oh, but I do, you know, I do appreciate that they wanted to kind of get as much in, in the Hawaii shoot as they could. Right. Like with getting angel, like, right. How, yes. how, how do you reasonably have a, let's all go to Hawaii episode that the studio is paying for and yeah. not get angel and Dennis to be in the episode yeah i'm i'm down with that it's fun to see them but uh this 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 would be a this would be an episode that i would just let play while i did other stuff it wouldn't be yes. an episode that i would screen for someone to like show them how great the rockford files is right is is that it's not an early uh early recommendation it's so good that it's uh in the sixth season yeah damn near the end of it <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to belabor the points any more than than we have, so yeah. I think uh, that's pretty much all I uh, all I really have to say about about this episode. Fun episode, if a little confusing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think that will be uh, be about us. It for us, uh, Jim did not, uh, obviously did not get any, get paid for any of this. No. Unless you count an all expenses paid trip that ends up being a U.S. government backed trip to the hospital <laughs> counts as being paid. I mean, obviously, Rocky got a free drink out of it. They mm-hmm. may have gotten the boat that they never used. Angel definitely got some drinks out of it. Yes. Uh, Jim is out $5 for, uh, the answering machine message. Right, right. That's going to the present for uh, Chapman. Yes. And then, of course, Jim is probably out the entire return trip. Well, the Coast Guard is taking them back. Well, no, but I mean, when they bring him back in irons. Oh, oh, yes. When, <laughs> when they subpoena him to come back to Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, all in all, in the long run, not his favorite vacation. No. <laughs> Well, hopefully it'll be sunnier skies ahead for Jim as we uh, go into some other episodes. Uh, I feel like I got my dose of Hawaiian sunshine at least this time around. A cure for the winter blues. Cure for the old winter blues. Uh, Yeah, I'm glad this one wasn't super serious. Like, we've done some pretty serious ones recently. (laughs) Uh, It was a nice break from that for sure. So Agreed. Even if you don't see the episode, just look up the IMDb entry just to look at the screenshot of Angel in the Hawaiian (laughs) shirt. It'll be worth your two seconds, I promise. (laughs) With that, we will go ahead and sign off and go off to our little winter vacations. Yeah. But we will be back next time to talk about another episode of The Rockford Files. Aloha. (laughs) Aloha.